I love all of you. I'm thankful that you're here. Exodus 16, 31. The Bible says, And the house of Israel called the name thereof manna. Everybody say manna. And it was like coriander seed, white. And the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Now, honey is the key. Say honey. Now, we're going to jump ahead to Numbers 11, verse 8. Can you get there just a few books later? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Numbers 11, 8, and it says, And the people went about and gathered it and ground it in mills or beat it in a mortar and baked it in pans and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was as the taste of fresh oil. Everybody say fresh oil. For just a short time here this morning, that's simply my title that I want to preach today. Fresh oil. Fresh oil. Would you put your Bibles down behind you now? And would you lift up the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in this house? Would you magnify his name right here? Come on. Jesus, we invite you here, Lord. You're already here. Your spirit is here. It is moving. You've made yourself evident here today, God. We're asking that you would continue to do it. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Exodus chapter 14 is a powerful story. If you haven't had the chance to read it, I encourage you to do so. Exodus chapter 16 continues that powerful story. But Exodus 14 is powerful because God had just delivered the Israelites from the hands of Pharaoh and the powerhouse known as Egypt. You can find how powerful they were in the word of God, of course, but in history books as well. They were unmatched in almost every venture. Egypt was the most advanced kingdom of their time. They were not only overly advanced in warfare and architectural skills, but they were medically ahead, if I can say it that way, of every other country and body of people at that time. Some scholars say, I've read it, they were performing brain surgery over 3,000 years ago, and others say it was much earlier than that. It wasn't just that Pharaoh and his kingdom could defeat you with strategic warfare and great architectural skill, but they were blatantly more intelligent than most of the world in their given day. Their ways of study and their vast wells of knowledge were overwhelming. Their scholars and meticians could not be matched by any man, woman, or even God for that matter. Or at least, that's what they believed. They were astoundingly advanced in every area of life and they knew it. However, when it came to the Israelite slaves and a man named Moses, the tide suddenly turned for the worse of this unmatched people called Egyptians. The so-called people of God were about to embark on what seemed to be an impossible mission. To follow through with what was offered before them meant certain death. There is no way that Pharaoh would ever let them go. They had been held against their will for over 400 years now and captivity seemed like it would never end. 
But God sent Moses and freed his people. And because of time here today, I will now race ahead. The Israelites had crossed the Red Sea in incredible fashion. They had been baptized in the sea, as Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians. Many of us know the account, but it it bears repeating today. Pharaoh says that they can leave peacefully, but then changes his mind and is now hot on the trail of God's chosen people. Now the Israelites find themselves at a body of water in front of them and Pharaoh's malicious army behind them. They are trapped and in need of nothing short of a miracle. Are you with me here today? But when God does something, he makes sure that he does it in such a way that when he has finished the miraculous, the only possible answer is, it had to have been God. He likes to get 100% of the glory. It's just his nature. It's who he is. So when the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, it was not in a boat or a ship or some sort of floating vessel. Because with that brings doubt to the reader and to the very chosen people he was saving. But God used a man and his staff, just a wooden stick, to part the waters and the children of Israel walked across on dry land. They were under the cloud and they were full of the lamb. These people had followed a man of God to the edge of this body of water called the Red Sea. Even when they got into the sea and Pharaoh's army closed in behind them, the cloud that led them went behind them. And it was light on the Israelite side and dark on the Egyptian side. And the reason for that was because the vanguard became the rear guard and God separated his church from their enemies. So they were living in what I call a saved posture. But... They were lost to promise and lost to purpose and lost to meaning and lost to ultimate joy. Can I say this here today? The Israelites, God's chosen people, just went through the motions. They just danced a little bit. They shouted a little bit over the dead Egyptians. It was only after God had brought them through that they danced and celebrated. But even then, the worship and praise only lasted for a short time. God had just taken them from captivity and delivered them out of the hands of the most powerful army on the planet. And not only did God or did he part the rest, sea and allow them to cross into safety but he destroyed the army that was bound to hunt them down and kill them like the slaves that they were just a short time before pay attention and stay with me now the Lord has just delivered his people but it doesn't take very long at all before they fall back into this vicious cycle shortly after the Israelites had been delivered They start begging for food and begging for water. And I quote Exodus 15, 23 and 24. And when they came to Merah, they could not drink of the waters of Merah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Merah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? Shortly 
after deliverance. Stay with me right here. They are complaining about provision. And it turns into a vicious cycle over and over and over again. But what, but what, does, but what does God do? God lets a cloud come over and he rains quail and manna down on them. And I quote Exodus 16, 13 through 15. And it came to pass that at evening the quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning the dew lay around about the host. And when the dew that lay was gone, behold, upon the face of the wilderness, there lay a small round thing, as small as the oar frost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, it is manna, for they wist not what it is. And Moses said unto them, this is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. Hallelujah for the manna. Thank God for the glorious bread that came. Thank God for the quail in the evening and the manna in the morning. Thank God for every message that's been preached here. Thank God for every sermon that's been preached here. Thank God for morning manna and thank God for evening quail. Thank God for the children's department. Thank God for Elevate Student Ministries. Thank God for the food pantry. Thank God for greeters and staff. Thank God for the worship team. Thank God for cleaning staff. Thank God for every volunteer who helps run, orchestrate, and maintain everything that goes on at New Life Fellowship. Thank God for the glory and thank God for your power. But I'm here to tell you today, there's something greater that God wants to take us to. You've come too far to turn back now. And so I'm simply standing here today with the word that God has given me. You've come too far. You've watched God do too much. He's already provided the provision. So don't look past what he's already done but I stand here today to say you're exactly where God wants you to be put your hands together the Bible says that when they took that coriander seed and they mashed it together and put it in their mouth it had a sweet taste in fact the Bible says that it tasted like honey it was part of our text, and I'll read it again. Exodus 16, 31. And the house of Israel called the name thereof manna, and it was like coriander seed white, and the taste was like wafers made with honey. Now, I'm going to wear this out, and hopefully you wear it out of here. It tasted like honey. I haven't heard a sermon here that has not tasted good. I love the taste of the bread of heaven. The Bible says that the word of God is that bread of heaven. I love the taste of the word of God. I thank the Lord that his word and only his word is preached here. It's not just self-help books and methods that Joe Schmo came up with and put in some format or outline, but everything that comes across this pulpit has come from the words that God had written down. Come on, you can put your hands together for that. We're going somewhere, but you can put your hands together for that. How many people would lift their hand and say, you can't preach it to me too hard. You can't give it to me too straight. Come on, I wish some apostolic Pentecostals would stand up and say, hey, I don't know what it's about, but as long as it's coming from the word of God and you declare it to me under the anointing, I'm going to receive it for my life. Why? Because the word of God is the only book on the planet that has the ability to lead and guide and instruct and convict. 
It's not up to philosophy or scientific facts, but the only true factual thing is this holy Bible. And so everything we do here at New Life, just in case you didn't know, is based off of the foundation that was laid before us. When the Spirit of the Lord moved on those chosen men and their pen and they began to write the powerful words that God Himself spoke out of His own mouth called the Holy Bible, that is exactly what our foundation is. Now the children of Israel ate those wafers. But in their hearts they were not satisfied. And slowly but surely doubt and unbelief began to creep back into their hearts and their minds. Even though God provided the provision, think of it, and God did the impossible, the Israelites suddenly find themselves back at square one. And so, all that honey, manna, and quail was, was sustenance and maintenance. If we aren't careful, a lot of us can become sustained and maintained because we just love good preaching and good church. And don't get me wrong, we, we've got to love the preached word, and it, it ta- but it tasted like honey to them. And so, a chapter after deliverance, they received honey and quail. But if we can't, let's jump ahead to the second verse we read at the beginning, Numbers 11. Now, remember here, God has already provided the impossible. Are you with me now? He freed them from slavery like he said he would. They watched the Red Sea split. And walk across on dry land. They watched as their former capturer. And the enemy. That wanted to destroy them. Was swallowed up. In the very thing that saved them. Then they complained. And doubted God. Was with them. Or if Moses had ever really heard from God. Because they were hungry and thirsty. So God makes a provision again. For them in the wilderness. And he rains down quail and manna. And sends them to wells to drink water. Now a few months have gone by and they are still fussing. They are still fussing and they are eating quail and honey manna and it's good. Are you with me here today? But sometimes people can get to fussing when all the word does is sweeten their tummy and feed them in the spiritual. Are you with me still? And they are sitting over there and they're fussing. But all of a sudden... God says, I'm going to do something different today. Here's what I've come today to preach to you. I'm going to send them the same package, but it's going to have a different taste. Because they are only one chapter away from Moses getting the men together and saying, go spy in Canaan. They are one chapter away from going into a promised land and checking it out and spying it out to see if there is going to be a victory for the Israelites. But God says, wait, change of direction. And God sends the same coriander seed, but when they got it and they mashed it and they put it together and they baked it and then put it to their mouths, the Bible says it had a fresh oil taste. And I quote, And the people went about and gathered it and ground it in mills or beat it in mortar and baked it in pans and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was the taste of fresh oil. Say fresh oil. Honey is gone now. Fresh oil only. No more honey. Just oil. No more honey. Just oil. 
you've got to say it. No more honey, just oil. No more honey, just anointing. No more honey, just anointing. No more honey, just anointing. What we were eating before, God's changing our diet. No more honey, just anointing. Can I tell you, we have heard enough word to fatten our stomachs. We have heard enough word from pastor and the men and women of God who have graced this pulpit. We have heard enough word to grow lethargic. But I believe that it's time for God to change the diet of the United Pentecostal Church. No more honey. You've nourished me enough, God. But give me a taste for fresh oil. I'm ready for the anointing. You brought me to where I am. Now it's time for you to change my diet. I'm preaching to somebody today. He's brought you from where you've come from. And when you look back over your life, you say, it had to have been God. But where you are now, he's saying, it's time for me to change your diet. It's time for me to empower you. It's time for me to give you the power and the glory and the land that I promised you would possess. Come on, put your hands together now. What a better time for God to change our diet than the end of one year into the beginning of another. Before we know it, we're going to be in January. Oh, I'm in sales and I dread that phrase. Oh, the end of the year and the beginning of the year. But it's the truth. Turn to somebody and say, let's get with it right now. If you help me preach for the next 10 minutes, God's going to do something so powerful, you're going to leave here with an anointing. Look, I'm not saying that because I'm overly spiritual. I'm saying that because I believe that whatever I say, God is going to use it because I have faith here today. I don't know what you came in here with, but I'm telling you right now, I felt the Holy Ghost from the moment I walked in here. And so I know that if God shows up, anything is possible. So whatever you need, it may sound silly and simple, but let me tell you, it's genuine and true. Whatever you came in here with, you don't have to leave with it and whatever deficit you walked in here with he can fill the void why because he's wanting to fill you with fresh oil he's wanting to do something for you that only he can do oh i feel the holy ghost listen to me when i tell you i'm preaching to somebody right now god has brought you too far for you to turn back now he has already brought you through the impossible to get you where you are right now he has done that because he loves you and has a plan for your life but in order for you to get to the next level you've got to change your diet god wants to take you to a new land and a new area in him he's saying take a look over there look at what i want to give you look at what the church is going to have what the church shall behold what power you will possess I want to give you an anointing that has never been seen before but you've got to get it in your mind that you've got to change your diet your prayer should no longer be feed me God no 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 he's fed you for a long time now but for some of us he's wanting to change our diet and say it's gone from honey now it's just anointing I'm praying for fresh oil I'm praying for a fresh desire I'm praying for a new passion I'm praying for a new purpose and whenever God decides to do it and he pours his spirit out on you and the anointing is all over you there's nothing that can stop you there's nothing that can come against you the devil knows better he's seen it before he knows God better than you do and so I rise to say today I'm going to battle the devil I'm going to leave here different than the way I came in I won't let this moment pass me by why? 
because I desire fresh oil. on that's it right where you are come on pray the prayer God change my appetite change the way I'm viewing situations you prepared me already you've nourished me already I am strong enough I do know enough of the word I'm going to speak it out why because I believe that you've anointed me you've called me and I believe that you're going to do the work You may be seated for just a second. Just don't stay there very long. Many of you know my mother. I'm thankful that I have the mom that I have because she's incredible. Before Sierra and I had Graylin, we got a puppy. And we loved that thing. No, Sierra loved that thing. I loved it because I love Sierra. And we got it. And she said, now, regardless of how that puppy sounds... You cannot put it in bed with us. It's going to want to be with us, but you have got to make him sleep in his kennel. Of course, yes, that's no problem. Second night, it was a problem. It was a serious issue. I turned to Sierra at three in the morning. I said, the dog's getting in the bed. She said, you said you wouldn't. I said, I lied. I repented about it. The dog gets in the bed, but as soon as we got that dog, my mom did what she does best, and she began to mother the dog. How many of you in here have been mothered by my mother? <laughs> it's just the truth. She began to mother the dog. We said, Mom, we're going to go out and get some errands ran. Would you wash the dog? She said, yes. She called it her grand puppy. It was fantastic. A free babysitter. We left him there. We came back to pick him up a few hours later. Leo, little labradoodle puppy. I bent down. Hey, buddy. I began to pet him and it was goopy. I didn't know what it was. I was afraid he'd gotten into something that he spill a can, knock a candle over. Didn't know what it was. I said, Mom, do you know what's on the dog? She said, Yes, it's oil. Well, did he knock? No, I've been praying for that dog since you left. I tell you what, we've got the most anointed dog you've ever seen in your life. In fact, I believe he's going to be the next animal God opens up the mouth of to speak the word. But I'm just telling you here today, there's not anything in your house that you shouldn't be anointing. Forgive me, but I grew up in a household. This is just what my mom did. She'd walk through the house and put oil on every doorknob, every handle, everything that our hands would ever touch. And whenever somebody would come into the house, she'd say, don't worry, you're going to leave here anointed. I prayed this morning and anointed everything you've touched. Let me tell you something. You're looking to get anointed. You're looking to go further in God. It's time for you to take it to the next level and say, there's nothing outside of my comfort zone. I'm going to do whatever means necessary. No! I watched my mom do it. We know that Chance and I helped clean the baptismal. The problem is, is that one time I wanted to clean it so well, I used too much toilet bowl cleaner. It ate the lining and the baptismal started leaking. I didn't find out until a long time later. It just slipped out of my mom's mouth and she said, we didn't want to tell you because you did such a good job. I said, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. But the thing was that it wasn't just cleaning the baptistry. As Chance and I 
would be in the baptismal tank, scrubbing, cleaning with our masks on and gloves and everything. My mom would be out with a bottle of oil rubbing down every pew. Oh, she'd walk up to the pulpit and rub it down with oil. She'd walk over to the keyboard. She'd touch every microphone. That's back when you could still get to them. She'd touch every microphone. She'd touch everything that anybody would touch. Every door handle, every entrance, every exit. She said, look, I can't take any chances. I've been praying this whole time, and God's been faithful. He's never failed me yet. So whenever people walk in this house, I'm going to anoint everything I can. Because if I can't get to you, I've got to believe that God's going to get to you. So, Lord, when they walk in here, let them feel the anointing. Let them feel the anointing. Let them feel Feel your power. Why? Because she had a taste for fresh oil. She had a desire for something greater. Bible says that in the 24th verse that when the manna first ever started coming down, the first one to taste of it was Moses. Read it in your Bible. And he liked it. The leader tasted it and he liked it. Thank God for leaders that like it. Thank God we have leaders that like it, that love the anointing of God. Then watch what happened. Moses tasted it and he liked it. Then Moses said... It's on me, and I'm going to put it on 70 elders. And I quote Numbers 11, 24, and 25. And Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord and gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people and set them round about the tabernacle. And the Lord came down in a cloud and spake unto them and took of the spirit that was upon him and gave it unto the 70 elders. And it came to pass that when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied and did not cease. Moses took the anointing oil and poured it on every elder's head, all 70 of them, just like the Lord had instructed. What did the elders do? They stood. Moses gets it. He likes it. He follows the instruction of the Lord, finds 70 elders. They stood. They liked it. Thank God for elders and leaders that still want to see the anointing in church and in this hour and in this present world. I just want to tell you that this thing is powerful enough. Hear me now. To spread throughout this whole tabernacle. It's not just for Moses. It's not just for the elders, but you can leave here with a powerful anointing on your life. Do you believe that here today? I'm preaching right to you. I'm preaching. For those of you who think I'm not preaching to you, it's coming right at you. I just feel it in the Holy Ghost right here. Some of you have been battling for a long time, but I've got a word for you here today. The anointing is the only thing that can break the yoke. The anointing is the only thing that's going to get you out of the muck and mire that you're in. It's not me. It's not a book. It's not necessarily even a preacher. But what it is is the anointing. It's the ordained spirit of God that wants to rest upon you and break every chain that has you bound that's just the word now now this anointing started spreading it went to Eldad and Medad 
He probably chose those men because we'd remember their names. And I quote Numbers eleven twenty six. But there remained two of the men in the camp. The name of the one was Eldad and the name of the other was Medad. And the spirit rested upon them. And they were of them that were written, but went not out into the tabernacle. And they prophesied in the camp. Everybody say in the camp. And this same anointing that had just rested upon Moses and then he gave it to the elders. And now they have rested it upon Eldad and Medad. Thank God for men in the church who love the anointing and loves the taste of fresh oil. From the leaders to the elders to the men of the church. If you don't let yourself, hear me now. If you do not let yourself, God is not going to let you miss out on the greatest revival the world has ever seen. I just believe that. It's the latter and the former reign together. Listen to me here today. We have got to stop worrying about what everybody else is doing. And we have got to get a love for fresh oil and get in this thing and go. We have got to get beyond what we want and what our flesh desires. I feel it here today. If we can get a liking for fresh oil, if you can push yourself and get yourself in a room and lock the door and say, I'm not leaving here until I feel something. And even if I don't feel anything, whatever time I've set aside and allotted. God, you're going to bless it. When the ceiling feels like brass and my prayers aren't getting through, when my life doesn't seem to be right and it's in turmoil, when my kids haven't come back to church yet, when my family doesn't love the Lord and nobody's backing me, when everything seems to be wrong, when I don't have a job, when I don't feel love, I'm going to find a room. I'm going to find somewhere and I'm going to create me a place because I'm desperate for fresh oil. Lord, you fed me and you've kept me and you've allowed me to get to this moment and I'm thankful for the honey and the quail but change my diet oh God I'm praying for a fresh oil desire I'm praying for a fresh oil diet let it rest upon me let it be within me and out of me let it be who I am it's interesting Eldad's name in Hebrew means God has loved me Medad's name in Hebrew means God has loved me affectionately. The very fact that God, who is awesome, would love me enough to put an anointing and a power on you and on me. Let me tell you something here today. The devil does not care about where you are. He cares about where you're going and who you are going there with, the anointing. It's time for us to get under a special anointing here today and break every yoke and tear down every stronghold. The devil knows as well as you do that anointing or the anointing that is on your life That anointing is why he wants you or he wants to destroy you. He's looking for a way to get you to not believe that you are where you're supposed to be. But I've got a word for the church here today. God has predestined this moment in time, not because I'm up here, but because God is good. Because God loves you so much that he said, if I can get them to fall in love with the anointing, if I can get them to learn how to live with the anointing and have a desire for fresh oil, there's absolutely nothing they cannot come. 
conquer. There's nothing they cannot overcome. There is nothing they cannot defeat. Why? Because the anointing is the only thing, is the only thing, is the only thing that breaks the yoke. I wish I had somebody here today that would help me and say, you know what? I've been there and it's true. I've tested him and it's true. I've tried him and it's true. He's brought you to where you are. You've been on a honey diet, but he's ready to change your diet here today. And the Bible says that Eldad and Medad went throughout the camp. And as they went throughout the camp, they began prophesying and praying for others. And the Bible says in the next few verses that a young man, a young man felt the anointing. And the Bible says that he ran. Oh, I've got to get this. The Bible says that he ran. Let me just tell you, we have young people, and I've seen it first person, who desire more of the anointing. As I was praying this morning, the Lord reminded me, it was just a few Wednesdays ago. Reagan Harpole stood up to do prayer. It was on a Wednesday night. And as he stood up to do prayer, the music, they kind of messed up a little bit. Everybody kind of felt uneasy. Things didn't go the way they thought it should have gone. But Reagan takes the pulpit and has the microphone. And it wasn't nothing crazy that he said, but he simply stood up and said this. I don't know why you came here, but I refuse to walk into this place and know that God is doing something across the street and him not do anything here. He said, I don't know what you've come to do here tonight but I believe that we have to have a move of God and we have to feel the Lord but not just feel him to have a relationship with him can I tell you that the moment he began to speak the anointing fell in the house and somebody began to cry out for the Lord suddenly it didn't matter what songs were sung suddenly it didn't matter what went right and what didn't go right but somebody had the courage to stand up and say I don't know about you but I desire fresh oil I desire fresh oil God was good enough to let me be here and so I'm going to take advantage of it I'm not going to leave here knowing that I could have done more that I could have worshipped more let me tell you today you get this fresh oil it'll put running in your feet it'll put running in your feet it'll put joy in your step it'll put a little bit of pep in your step you've been depressed you've been down you get a taste for fresh oil the Bible says that it'll put running in your feet it'll put running in your feet Thank God for young people who love the anointing. But here's just the truth. Here's the truth. This is the truth. Every time God begins to do something miraculous to do something powerful, to do something incredible, there's always somebody that wants to try to stop it. I wish that weren't true, and I'm being careful. I wish that weren't true, but it's oftentimes it's, it's more true than not. And the very next verse, after the young man took off, the Bible says that a man approached Moses and said, Moses, forbid them. They know not what they do. Forbid them. Stop it. Don't let this go on. But thank God for leaders 
that are under the anointing. And you can read it in your Bible. Moses turns to him and says, I wish that this would fall on the whole camp. I wish that what we've seen demonstrated on me and on the 70 elders and on Eldad and Medad and on this young man would fall on the entire camp. Let me tell you something here today. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your name is. I don't care what's in your bank account or what kind of car you drive. I don't care what you're doing or where you're going. But the anointing of God can rest on anybody and everybody. He wants to rest it. He wants to put it on every person that's represented here today. Don't think, well, that's not for me. Well, I've done too much. I can't receive it. You don't understand what I've been through. You're right. I may not understand it, but let me tell you about an anointing that can deliver you from wherever you are. I'm preaching about a fresh oil today. I'm preaching about a desire and a passion and a pathos today. What it is is a fresh oil. God's going to change your diet. You're not going to see things the same. You're not going to see people the same. You're not going to see situations the same. Why? Because the fresh oil changes everything. Come on, put your hands together now. I'm done. I'm, I'm almost finished. When we were in Israel, the Ark of the Covenant really, really caught my attention. I've always been interested in it, but whenever we were there this past time, we were in the Temple Institute and... Over the speaker, the intercom, they were talking and giving factual information and different things. And some of us began to talk about the Ark of the Covenant. And of course, they had a replica displayed. And all of a sudden, it came over the loudspeaker that they have the Ark of the Covenant. They found it. They possess it. And when I heard that, I, I couldn't believe it. I was so excited. And so I immediately, when I got back to our room, and then when I got home, got back to the States, I started to research it and look it up. And of course... Many of you may know, but there was things that Moses put in the ark. We know that he put the law in the ark. We know that he put Aaron's rod in the ark, that rod that budded in the tap. But something else that he also put in the ark was a pot of manna. And whenever he began to put that manna in the ark, it was an exodus. And it was before the fresh oil manna. And so as I began to read that, it kind of caught my attention a little bit. And I wanted to know why he put only one kind of manna in the ark. I didn't understand that. I was just curious about it. Both of them were provision. Both of them represented the same thing. And so I thought, well, maybe that was why. Maybe maybe it was because manna was manna. But then as I began to study this sermon out and began to read about it and look it up and find out what was going on, the Lord began to speak to me. And here it is. Are you ready? Moses put sustenance manna in the ark. Maintaining manna. He didn't put fresh oil manna in the ark because you cannot put a lid on anointing. Moses knew you can't box this up. What God has given us, it's too powerful, it can't be contained. I can't put this, I can't put this, even in the holiest of holies, I can't put it in there. Why? Because he came and he received a fresh oil taste. He understood something. When you have the anointing and you desire it and you want it, you've got to let it go. You can't box it up. So I'm here to tell you today. I don't know what has you bound. I don't know what kind of box you've been in. I know it sounds a little silly, but I'm here to tell you today. The anointing that you possess and the anointing that God wants to give you can get you out of where you are. Put sustenance manna in the ark, but don't put anointing there. And so I stand before you today to say,
You're called. I'm looking into the faces of people. God wants to do something with you. It's not just my love for you. It's not just my, my care that I have for you. You be in my new life family, but I'm telling you here today, God wants to do something in the house. That's not me promoting faith or saying something that you want to hear. No, no. That's me saying God has a true desire to rest an anointing, a fresh oil on your life. There are people in the house today who haven't been here for, the little, for a little while. That's okay. But God wants to rest something upon you. He wants to put something on you that's going to burn out everything that shouldn't be there and the anointing is exactly what he wants to give you would you put your hands together now would you stand to your feet with me in closing here I've gone for too long already notice that when they took the manna The fresh oil was not poured on them. It was not poured around them. It was put in them. They ate it. They mashed it. And they baked it. And they ate it. God knew that he had to get it inside of them. He had to get it in their bowels. He had to get it somewhere where the nutrients would be pulled from it. And it would be distributed to every part of the body. Every facet. Every extremity. Let me tell you here today, you are anointed of God. I speak it out in faith. We are a church called by God. Clearly, we can believe that after seeing what God has already done here. But God is ready to put or change our appetite. He is ready to give us a fresh oil appetite, a fresh anointing in the Holy Ghost. I believe it as sure as I stand here today. So I don't know how we want to do it, but here's how we're going to do it. Would you just, right where you are, would you lift your hands? Right where you are, and would you begin to call out on God? Come on, the Spirit of the Lord is here. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The Lord is that Spirit. Come on now. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm I'm speaking right to you. God's wanting to do something in you right now. He's wanting to do something in you right now. I believe that with all my heart. You are good enough. Oh! You are good enough. You have the ability. It's more than just talent. But God wants to give you something that's not going to be removed, that the devil can't take away. He can't garnish it. He just wants you to believe you don't have it. Well, that's a lie from the enemy. Come on, there's an anointing in the house right now. There's an anointing in the house right now. Come on, for your family, for your children, for your friends, for your household. Come on, Lord, let every part of my home be anointed. I'm not going to take it for granted anymore, God. You've kept me on honey for a long time, but it's time to change my diet. I thank you for it, Lord.